Yeah, and I think this is season three. We're going to go with season three. It's season three. Season three. Episode one through five. One through five. Somewhere in there. Yes. We'll get that down at some point. So, this is Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Eric Seepin, and across from me is Andy Littleton. We are in Tucson, Arizona, and mm-hmm. Andy is pastor of Mission Church, and I am pastor of the Village Church. I've got the the. He has no the, so everybody remember, it is not the, the mission. mission. It is a mission. And church. it is not village. It's it is the, the village. village. So, we just talked about your retreat, for the most part, on silence and kind of what you experienced and learned. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. When you texted me, I thought, wow, we're going to talk about silence for 45 minutes. Yeah, right. What are we going to say? Look at <laughs> but that. We did it. We, it was good. It was rich. God really met you. And I, I'm, I'm excited for people to hear our conversation. Yeah. Well, thanks for having it. And um, yeah, I, I just, just for you who are tuning in right now, the whole thing's, the whole thing is good. I think we really clicked in about five, 10 minutes in there. Yeah, I think so too. And so I, hang in. Yeah, hang in there. And uh, there is going to be a little editing because there was a phone call between me and my daughter. But I also want to say in the beginning, because sometimes we say that the, at the end, it's really helpful if you like our Facebook page, if you like our Instagram, if you go on iTunes and rate us and on Spotify. If there's a podcast you think is helpful, share it. Share it with yeah. people. Um, you guys are our hands and feet. If you think we're valuable and we have something good to offer, well, we know that we're valuable. But if you think we have something good to offer, uh, <laughs> that would be awesome to do all those things. Sharing so. it around. just Yeah, if, uh, if this is helpful to you, share it with somebody else. And it means a lot to us, too. Hey, Andy. It's hey. good to see you. Hey, thanks. Uh, Eric's just doing some technical difficulty stuff uh, and, you know, over on the side. So we're, it's always, it's always interesting to jump into the conversation when you've just been trying to fix figure, the computer. Fix the computer. There's something, it yeah. just messes you up. I'm good. I'm happy though. We fixed it. We're talking. Okay. You're, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I think um, the plan anyway is for uh, me to talk and you to be silent. Right. Right. So, uh, welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. Yeah. And so we're so we, well, I've already blown it. So I came back from a silent retreat, and Eric's great idea was that I would exhibit how to be silent. <laughs> is that by really, just letting? Is him that really talk. possible when I talk for you to be silent? It could be. Yeah, maybe. It would I be mean, a, it doesn't feel like pro- what we're supposed to do on the podcast, but I think I could. I could. Right, because it's it. supposed to be a conversation between two pastors that right. you look in on. Not a monologue. Not a monologue, not prepared, not perfect. Right, none of that. Um, I did, I should say though, just looking back a little bit, you did that monologue on your own. Yeah, the devaluation of words. Right. Um, 18 minutes. You are far more comfortable than I am with just talking, just all by yourself. Yeah, I love talking by myself. Do you? See, I I have, if I'm by myself, I really don't want to be talking. I just... I, and so I think if I if you put me in here with a microphone and I just had to go, yeah. I don't that'd be hard for me. Wow. Yeah, it'd be tough. Yeah, but partly that's just because I'm very auditory. So I think by hearing myself talk. Okay. So I, that's part I of the verbally issue. process. But I wonder if it's the same. Yeah, I learn auditorily. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The big part of my learning style. Anyway, so you went on a silent retreat and you want to talk about all the things that you learned. 
No. No? I mean, not necessarily. I don't know. I just wanted Did to talk you? about getting silent. And, you know, I'm kind of, I'm honestly curious if this is something that you do from time to time. Do you, well, do you uh, take uh, time? Apparently, I can't because I just have to go somewhere and talk by myself. So that's what happens when, when you're alone. I just, I just talk to myself for hours. Okay. I'm like, hey, Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, yeah. But but so for real, though, like my my early – so the I guess the dipping of the toes into getting time of silence and solitude was through the leadership of your dad. And so doing that learning to love the master retreat. Yes. Which was your mom's design. Uh, and so – I think probably one of the, yeah, one of the first times I went and sat for, I don't know, four hours yeah and just tried to think through my story and where was God and, and dialogue with God over that and then come and share and then do it again. Um, it was under the leadership of your dad. So I wonder, I, I'm actually really curious as a, as a guy who grew up in a home in which, um, this type of thing was taught to others. Yes. What did that look like for you? Was that, did it happen in your, in your home? Was this always like a rhythm of your life or not so much? You know, I got a lot of time alone in my room. Yeah. Cause you were in trouble. <laughs> no, just alone time in my room. Okay. Just me. Yeah. No, um, no, it wasn't. That's something that came later to my parents. So that wasn't something that, that happened. My, my family, uh, even though it's uh, it's not Italian, it's very Italian. Mm. Like uh, my mom was in Italy, and, and my dad grew up in Youngstown, where the the Italian mafia is sort of where it originated. Okay, Youngstown, Ohio, like it's a big mafia town, and so Italian restaurants and you know cars that are you know dark and lots of loud people and I didn't see the conversation windows. go in this direction but I like Yeah, it. so this my my family is very noisy. Oh, god. So, let's go ahead with that. There's lots of talking. Everything is talking and arguing and debating and so silence which isn't that just the 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 irony which is funny is the people who became the the purveyors of silence in Tucson were from the loud family. The loud family. Now, my mom would be up early doing her quiet times, and so my father, too. And quiet, long, extended quiet times were a big deal to my parents. Okay. But the kids kind of, like, didn't... We rejected that at some level because it felt very forced on us. You know, when you have forced right. quietness, it doesn't... It's not, like, right. something uh, you, you wish to have. Now, when I read scripture... Um, you see Jesus getting away a lot, yeah, and then people invading his space. Yes, so uh -huh. that's an interesting concept in itself. What's that look like for you? Well, I mean, I don't want to insinuate that you're Christ-like. I am very uh, Christ-like. Yeah. Well, where's the lightning? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Well, one thing I have realized of recent that that hasn't been a pattern of late in my life. I haven't had a lot of space, so even. This week, like you got silence, I didn't get as much, but I actually came here on Saturday at 10 and shut this door and just was in here. I like turned on the music, I laid on the floor, I prayed, yeah, I read scripture, I, I prayed some more. I, you know, I just spent, and then people would knock on the door. 
time I would spend a little time with them because uh, you know whoever was cleaning the building or somebody needed something and, and they, they walked in and went why is this guy laying on the floor are you okay yeah no they none of that I, I got up before they okay. came in <laughs> but no so there was a little bit of that of quiet you know it was a, an opportunity where I had to get some space but uh, I try to do that I mean, on you, vacation you, you, for a month. Yeah, I was gonna say you took on though the the life of a of a church that's very integrated. People are together a lot. Everybody, even if you come here to be alone, people can come in whenever they want. You live in a house with another family. Yeah, and there's a lot of fluid movement in my home, though it hasn't been as much of late. But yeah, vacation is with your family. It is. Yeah, um, I do get some time. Yeah, a lot of time away from them. Yeah, during vacation, so I'll go off a yeah. lot, just leave for the day. So you are, and I've I've known other other pastors and other people who are this way. Like, if my family calls, I'm going to answer it no matter what conversation I'm in because it's, it's important. So you have a very integrated. You you by integrated, I mean people can enter in to your space easily. It's, uh, that's an important thing. Um, I've become a lot more guarded over the years. Yeah. People get mad at me because I don't text them back or I don't. Yeah, you don't calls. text people back. Mm-mm. That's true. You know, um, but if you saw my text message oh, yeah. collection, you might understand that. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure I would. I have a text message collection as well. Yes, it's difficult to get to all of them. That's all I would do. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Anyway, all this to say, so I went away on this on this retreat. Yeah, let's talk about your retreat, which, by the way, I didn't get to finish. That just basically, I like to go where I don't know anybody. Yeah, and it's and I can't oh, hear I the saying, conversations. Where, where do you do you go out of town? Do you just go to a restaurant? Do you go? Usually, when I leave for the day, I'm gonna go first to a coffee shop, and then I'll go find some place outside that's quiet. And yeah, if it's hot, then I'm not gonna. And I don't go up the mountain. So no, you're not a mountain guy. I'm not a mountain guy. You don't strike me as somebody who like camps out. All right. The last time I really enjoyed that, I was in college. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, now, now that's good. Let's go to you. You, you went to the silent retreat. Yeah. You're getting <laughs> uncomfortable, Eric. I like this. I feel like we should keep, I feel, I feel like we should just keep moving in on this oh, for I'm some not, reason. I'm not uncomfortable. Well, you can go. <laughs> go for it, man. There I am. Oh, man. So I, uh, I went on the silent retreat. Um, and I, I really was looking forward to it. Enjoyed it. I I think what I got, the most questions I got were, did you make it? Could you do it? Were you, was it hard? And the truth is not hard. It was great. I, the, it was about three days long and my thing, and this is, I didn't read the instructions really closely. And so (laughs) I was thinking it was three whole days of silence. I just was like, this is going to be great. And we got there, and there were some discussions around silence, about silence, the missional life in silence. We did have periods where we, we went off for a few hours and then came back and we talked over a meal. And then we had a grand silence of 36 hours, which was no talking. We made the meals together, um, but, yeah, you weren't, you weren't talking. And I, I was hoping for that the whole time. But thirty six hours is pretty awesome. It was great. No, I'm I loved it. I'm not complaining. It was really a gift. But I'm just saying, I was I was like, I was up for more. You know, just in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, the missional life in silence. Like, 
I think we're living missional lives and we're here to be silent. We don't need to talk about it. Let's do it, you know? Right. But there were some helpful thoughts that came out of all that. Um, it was good. I, my, my phone, I put it on airplane mode for four days and didn't check anything from anybody. And, nice. and one of the, the guys there, and he was very right, you know, he said, the world will go on without us, right? Um, and, you know, I, I think about this a lot. Like, you watch a you know, just TV show about the Victorian days and somebody goes off to another town. And it's like they were gone for days and you couldn't get a hold of them. And things went on, you know. Um, today, like, you know, even if something, to, you know, there's a water leak and I couldn't answer the phone, like, it, it will get figured out. Sure. You know. Um, and you have to hold on to that. As a follower of Jesus, in particular, a leader of people, is with that, everything, I th- yeah, yeah, yeah. This person's life will not, like, I don't ultimately hold everything in my hand. I don't. I am not the, the one with all the answers. So I can, offer that when I'm available, and then other times, not. Um, but I, I do have. I have a generally busy life. Um, but this this time was. It was great. And, uh, and I was tempted or when, when I was going, I thought, what do I want to, what do I want to do? What do I, is there something I want to be praying about? Is there something I want to be working on? And for some reason, I just felt deeply impressed that I needed to not do that. No working on anything. No, no, like no sermons. No. Well, no, I, I, that was definitely off the table. I was thinking more, maybe I'll try to develop a rhythm of life that I can come back and implement. Oh, okay. So come up with a plan for your future, some plan or something. Yeah. And then I was just like, how about, and I I felt like God was impressing on me. Like, why don't you just be there? Just how about you don't figure out anything specifically? Or how about you let me decide what we figure out? Yeah, that's good. And, um, and that was great. I mean, I ended up, uh, one of the guys there was, he memorized a lot of Psalms and encouraged that that would be a good idea. So I thought, okay, I heard that. And so, uh, one of the Psalms that he recited really intrigued me. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll just try to memorize that. That was, that was really important. I think actually one part of it brought me to, to tears and it was great. And was able to kind of internalize that psalm, and I assume I'll remember it. Um, and then there were some some things that came up just in casual prayer, and so I just went for walks. And it wasn't like I'm going on a prayer walk. It was like I'm just going to walk. You're going to go walk. And then a thought would come that I go, okay, God, what do I do with that? So now I'm praying, right? And then um, some really important stuff. I mean, some just being thankful for stuff I hadn't really taken the time to be thankful for. And um, other like kind of like slugging through some like hard, darker thoughts. And Mm. um, but things I never would have planned. And I think if I'd been doing the thing I was planning on doing, I would not have gotten to these other things. So, um, it was, it was refreshing. It was good. Um, there was something really cool about communal silence, about being with others. I think that's maybe some of the coolest parts of being silent 
is going against the com- the mm-hmm. communal or just the human nature that you see someone, you say hello, you go through, through a whole formalities. series of conversation, then you sit down and have more conversation. Yeah. It was really nice to be with people and not have to talk. And everybody seemed to like key in on that and enjoy that. And, you know, we're cooking. And so you're just pointing, like point at the knife and point at yourself, like give me that knife, but no words. And um, it felt weird, but it was fine. Like normally when you're speaking, you're thinking through all the nuance of, hey, oh, if you're potentially not using that knife you know would you mind if i borrowed it for a second but no worries i mean don't don't worry about it and all that those type of words and all the processing you're doing to figure that out it's there's like headspace involved in all this and when you can't do that you just point at the knife and then the other person like one of the guys reflected later you know that he was using one of the knives (laughs) but he couldn't really explain that so he just went oh well and just handed it to the other person and they used it for a while and and that was fine it, you know and how normally you would add in all this nuance and try to figure out how to communicate but there was something about just and you're just eating you're just there eating no need for somebody to be talking or how to respond to that yeah so there's yeah you're with people mm-hmm. there's a lot of secondary communication going on Sure. But no primary communication. No and you're enjoying sort of the quiet. And there's lots of things you wouldn't notice if you were talking. Right. The noise of things, the way people hold themselves. Oh, yeah, you are. You become very tuned in to a lot of other things. Yeah, that's interesting. So let me pull an Andy here and push back on you a little Great. bit. Uh, one, well, push back and also think, say, hey, this is actually a good continuation of our last podcast. Uh, so the first the pushback is you are on one hand essential that there isn't it's not a full truth that the world will go on if you decide to not be present because the body needs you and I would no, ag- I know I would agree like let's, let's just say the water heater blows for just a, an example and you're the one who could best fix the water heater yes people will collectively get together and fix it but nine times out of ten, you will have to go fix what they didn't quite understand. And you'll need to clean that up. And those things wouldn't have happened if you'd been there. Those people learned something. There's a lot of right. a whole bunch of things that can happen out of that. But to say that you weren't essential to that, probably you may you may See, have been and I would never say you're not essential. Of course you're an important right. part of the community. And, and uh, but but I think that doing like having space to get away and work through some stuff and is part of being essential to a community. And so when you need to do that, it's important. I'm just, I'm pulling Andy because you would go for the opposite of this. And you'd be like, well, I don't want people to think that they're all, well, they're nobody's essential. So we shouldn't do anything. I just got the gift. No, 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 no. It's good. (laughs) You do that to me all the time. So I have to. (laughs) Yeah. This is your opportunity. It's my opportunity. No, I, I get it. And I'm, and I agree with you, of course, but I'm, but I'm, uh, I think there's, there's something that, yeah, the, the pendulum swings. Right. And, and, for myself, and I would guess for you, our tendency is to be like in people's lives or available sure. too much. And then there's probably those who are just like have no problem ignoring everything right. and, you know, and 
so I, I always will say like gospel truth doesn't always look the same for everybody. Like, so for one person it's, you need to like turn on your phone and answer it and engage and engage. Cause you're always ignoring, you know, every, right. like there's people who, you know, ministers and people in churches who they get all the emails about all the things that need to be done and they just don't respond. They don't look, they don't want to, or they look and they go, somebody else will do it. And it's like, if that's you, you might need to engage, respond at cost to yourself. Yes. Like, but then there's on the flip side, the one who always, and I, you know, I, I think I'm in this category I have friends in this category, you know, who, who they always like, I have to, it will be me. I am the, it's, it's a little savior complex. Sure. It's like I can do this. And I think those folks need to hear the world can go on without right. you. You are not the essential ingredient in anything. But then like, yeah, the other folks need to hear you are a part of the community. Right. It needs you. Right. So it's, well, and I, pushing on the other side, right? and I think as a leader in the community and as pastors, like if you imitate Jesus, there are events with disciples and crowds, but you're constantly trying to get away. You're getting away with yeah. your smaller group of people. You're getting away by yourself, right? So, and you see in Jesus's life, and we talked about this at the end of our last podcast, that Jesus he gets away with his disciples. The crowds find him. He gets away by himself and his disciples right. find, find him, him. Yeah. which is interesting because I was thinking when you were talking about silence, it would have been kind of funny if you announced the dear silence where you were going and then said, I'd love to have all of you here, but not tell anybody where you were at <laughs> and how you're going to get there. Sure. <laughs> Just so you could have a real Jesus experience. Mission Church shows up in your 36 hour <laughs> And I'm, like, and I'm like trying to get to the other side of the river. And <laughs> right. Like Andy, Andy, help us. <laughs> and I was, I, there were these rivers and they did not give you good access. I think because the, the banks were very unstable. Yeah. Uh, so I was always going through like brush and I'm like, I'm going to, one of two things is going to happen to me here. There's going to be some poison oak or something that I don't know about. I'm going to get it all over myself and it's going to make the rest of my time miserable. Or there's going to be some predator out here that I'm unaware of <laughs> and I'm going to encounter them because I am like getting in the brush and right, like right. Um, to get to these rivers. I wanted to be, you know, I'm in Arizona and I see water and I'm like, you're excited. Why are we not, you know, why, why are there all these walking paths out there and why don't they take you to water? They put you, you know, 30 feet from it, but they won't let you get into to the it. water. There may be a reason for that. Andy. There probably was. And I got up there and it was like, you could tell the banks are always falling in. Um, but I, you know, being me did it anyway. Didn't care. So here's a question for you. And maybe a thing we could talk about. I read an article and this fits into your silence thing. I read an article about how pastors, and I think this is in church leadership magazine, the pastors are too accessible now that they didn't used to be that accessible, but we've become extremely accessible. And so he kind of goes through the beginning of his day or, and it's just, it, it's kind of like my day, you know, from he wakes up and he gets a text message yeah. from somebody who said, Hey, like what you said to me last yesterday really helped. He gets out of from brushing his teeth and there's another text message already saying, Hey, I had a hard week and right. I, I need to talk to you. Then he's talking about his appointments that he's got right. during the 
that day and then he's sitting down for dinner he's getting a call from the new member who's like trying to schedule a time to have them over for dinner and then every you know every day is already like scheduled either with family right. or with church or with outside kinds of organizations he's working with and so you don't have any free days so you got to cancel somebody else or right. have it impinge on your family and this conversation has to be taken because it's important but you're with your family and you know that if you don't answer it now you're gonna have to answer it later and then he was talking about the circuit pastor who has 10 churches back in the day. He meets with them on a Sunday. He has dinner with everybody. He gets on his horse. He and won't they don't, see them they for don't a week. They don't see him for a week, yeah. Right. Or maybe for two because he's at the other church. Right. So he's there once a month and they're filling in and doing their thing. And and I mean, I know that's not our, our context, but still, are we, do you think part of our need even for this silence? Because this circuit pastor, he has silence for a week sometimes because it's just him and well, God and, and, his horse. and every time he goes to that church he's he's in three hours of silence before he gets there just riding his horse by himself exactly. <laughs> there so, was so much more margin I mean this is like this is something I've definitely thought about in our modern world I mean we're you know we'll jump in the car listen to the news listen to a podcast whatever we go on a run we're listening to a podcast we this is just you know in general how we are and there was there was a time in most of history where if you traveled any significant distance and sometimes you did it alone, you were just silent for days. Um, and if you traveled an insignificant distance, you were silent for hours. Right. And, and even was, if you travel with three people on a wagon train, there was probably significant you, amount of silence. Well, right. Cause you had to focus on like the animal going straight most of the time. And, um, yeah, and, and you couldn't, there was no call, there was no text, there was no email, there was hardly any mail, it took forever. So you'd send a letter to your wife, when, you know, when the people who, who wrote the Westminster Confession of Faith, I remember hearing, were gone for years, From they worked on it for years, and they would write home to their families, you know, <laughs> and, they, and they'd write the letter and it would show up to their family three weeks later and, you know. But but these people weren't like feeling neglected by their husbands, because this is just what life it is. Was. This is just what life. And that was. doesn't mean they didn't miss them. Sure, no, I bet they did, and I bet right. they're, and I bet like they wished they could have seen each other more. But I'm just saying, like, it doesn't equal to be gone in their context for years didn't equal neglect because that was realistic. They weren't doing it out of. It wasn't a desire to neglect. It was they were like, I feel like this is an important work, and um, and I will be home and I will be praying for you and loving you from a distance. And there are people have desires to disengage and neglect, but then there are other other times when that's not what it is. Right. So let's so anyway, we're ahead. super accessible now, and I'm not sure it's good. Yeah, and yeah. It's, and and it's not good for us as leaders. I don't think it's good for our people. So the question, you can't just walk into a community or into our world and say, okay, simpler life. As I was telling a no. group of guys sure. at the end of church, everybody left, I said, I would love it if I could stand up in front of our church and say, for one month, I'm asking everyone in this church to shut down Facebook, to shut down Instagram, mm -hmm. to shut down Twitter, and to commit to only watching a half hour of news or reading, just having enough for you to be informed right. about what's happening in your world. And we're all just going to disengage for that. And if you need to communicate with each other, pick up the phone and talk to them and have them over for dinner. 
Right. You know, oh, only invite them over on the right, phone. Right. And then when they're present with you, you talk. And after that, you're done. Right. Right. And and just begin to, because I think we need to detox, but I don't think people would do that. I don't think people could do that. I think people think, well, in some contexts, they're in situations in which, I mean, I think we're in marriages in which we've set up the precedent that if I text you, you answer me now. And right. like, and if you don't, you don't love me. And then I think we're in jobs where the precedent is like, if you don't respond to this email in X amount of time, um, you're, you're neglecting the job. Right. Right. And, um, so there's systems that make it hard that are, I mean, they're, they're taking into account the way everything else works. I mean, I think our wives realistically are saying, look, you respond to your work text. Why not me? Well, and vice versa. And vice versa. I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, and so I get all that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, oh, wives or husbands are the problem here. I'm just saying our, the, the systems we've set up are based on. And they've happened this. fast. Yeah. Right. The technology has invaded our relationships to the point where it's hard to extract technology. Right. So there's that part of why it would be hard. And then the other reason why it would be hard is because we have become addicted to input, to you know, almost like learning, um, or taking in information. I mean, I am continually baffled because I hear people within my community who talk about being busy, but they have seen so much like, you know, full dot, you know, Netflix series, right? you know, and like massive amounts of information. They have listened to podcast channels. They have watched all of so and like all these shows, sure, they've completely consumed all of TED Talks and all, all of things, uh, yeah. whatever. Like, there's yeah. and everybody's got their own version of this, sure. But I'm thinking, so do you, is that are you considering that that's when you're busy, is when you're doing that, or is that your downtime? Because that's not downtime, right? And you know, that your, your brain is processing information that is right. downtime, um. And I and I'm I'm speaking like not as the outside critic, but I'm the I'm in, inside internal this. critic. I get yes. it. Yeah, we're we're talking about us. Yeah, and but us and what we see in our yes. communities as well. Yes. Um, and so which which is why this, I guess, like the silence used to be more built in and probably not like you didn't need to pursue it, but I think now it's even more critical it's got to be more critical that we actually pursue it. Cause it's like the, it's the thing that almost feels impossible. Right. But it's not, I mean, I just, I was gone for four days and you put your phone on airplane. Mode. Right. So at least four days can be done at least four days. Well, oh, here, here. And I'm saying like, and I've got, and I'm, I'm a, like, people go, Oh, you're a pastor. Oh, I'm a pastor and a business owner and a president of a business association. And like, there were a lot of emails and there was stuff that could have been done. And I'm a, and I'm a dad and I'm a husband. And, sure. um, and so like, if there's anybody who has an excuse to say this can't be done and I probably would have said that except somebody else paid for this. Right. And I went, okay, <laughs> like, right. I guess since you're offering and paying for this, like I'll go. And, and it, it was really helpful. Yeah. And I think I'm, more um i don't know i've uh, it was it was helpful i think i'm coming back refreshed i i think i need more of this is yeah. what i'm saying 
not less, but more. Right. I would agree. And I want to go back to what you were saying because the older I get, and I'm going to sound like an old man here, and that's fine. I, I get to be at least some level. But the older I get, I'm starting to think we as followers of Jesus do not take following Jesus very seriously. No. And I we follow everything else more seriously. Right. And, and I, I think some, some things that you should think about in your life is that if you are watching more than 10 to 15 hours, if you're watching 10 to 15 hours of shows over a week, you're not following Jesus very well. I'm just going to put it out there. Right. If, if you, that's 10 to 15 hours is an insanely high amount of television. It is in. Yeah. But, and if you're sitting alone at home with your family every single evening and there's nobody in your home and you're not reaching out beyond the doors of your home, you're probably not following Jesus. Right. No. Yes. Are there exceptions and outliers to this? Yeah. But I think the way we, we, and the thing is we do those things and we say we're busy. Right. Because part of it is we, we have got all of the stuff. And this is what silence points out, I think, is right. that we have all this stuff to numb us out right. to the fact that we feel very empty and we really don't want to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus because we don't really believe that that's going to be something rich and deep and transformative to people mm-hmm. around us. Right. But I don't know if we give that a chance. Right, which is... Which silence, I think, does for us. It's saying... you You have to deal with your internal thoughts and prayers if you're a Christian. Yeah. When you're silent. Yeah. You do. And you have to deal with you and Jesus. Right. And there's a period of detoxing, I think, from all this. It's very scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suspect. So did you feel, I mean, the 36 hours, I always feel like it, it takes about at least a day of being quiet to completely detox. And that's a short period of getting everything out yeah. of your brain and and really being able to focus because there's a lot of stuff you have to kind of undo when you decide to be quiet and not deal with the tyranny of the urgent. Yeah, I think the plane ride was good. How long was the plane ride? Uh, it was, uh, six hours. So that's a good start. right by yourself. Yeah. So that's yeah, traveling by yourself can be helpful. Right. So for I think in my particular experience here, that plane ride was helpful, and I read a book. The couple next to me, this is pretty funny, but the couple next to me was uh, arguing um, because the the guy had always, he was bugging the girl about how she needed to work out, but then he was checking out some other girl in the apartments. And so she decides on this plane ride, when they're going to visit his family, for her to meet the family, she decides to put all this on the table right next to me. And so I'm trying to read Thomas Merton. And then this, they talked for three hours and he was trying his hardest to convince her that while he did think the other girl was very hot and she did need to work out his girlfriend, that that didn't mean that she wasn't important to him and that she wasn't just perfect the way she was. You know, this other girl just happens to be very hot and that's true, but I like you the way you are, though you really do need to work out. And uh, he ended up landing the plane of this conversation by sharing with her that, look, we're not all the same. You know, think Captain America and the Hulk are both awesome, but they're not the same. <laughs> and she says, but we both know one of them is hotter than the other. And it was, anyway, it was hilarious. <laughs> so I was uh, trying to read Thomas Merton and that conversation's going on. But somehow that whole concoction and that trip still 
I was uh, ready for silence. No, I bet. <laughs> but um, so walking away from silence, what what thing are you holding on to that came out? What did what did Jesus like kind of give you as a connectedness to Him that you're going to like? Yeah, kind of walk with as you head into caring for other people and yourself and your family. Yeah. Um, well, I was just going to say too, like the, the other thing that's been helpful for me were like learning to love the master retreats with your dad yeah. um, and others who, where I, I learned the like four hours of silence mm-hmm. sort of stuff years, yeah. years ago, over a decade ago. And then I, my sabbatical time was generally alone and there was a lot of silence. And so I'm grateful. I think it's getting easier. My point is like this past trip, it was way, I was looking forward to it. Whereas my first learning to love the master retreat, I was not, I was like nervous. And so I think the more I've done it, the more valuable I've seen it to be and the more ready for it I am. Mm. So I would just encourage people if you don't feel comfortable with it to still do it, go there. Cause it, it's kind of like you learn it, you learn it a little bit more, but um, I mean, I didn't, I don't, I don't see, there wasn't like the thing I rejected the idea of coming away with something specific mostly, but I mean, I did, I did come away thinking I need more of this. That was just, I, and, and there was a, a thought from uh, Merton that one of the guys, and I don't, I don't remember a quote or anything, but one of the other guys brought it up and he said, Merton engaged with, I mean, he was prolific in his writing. He was Thomas Merton, who's, this was a monk who, uh, we, he did a lot of solitude. So we read a book about him on the way, but, um, you know, he, he was a prolific writer, spoke into all sorts of major, you know, issues within the country and the world. Um, but, but he spent a ton of time in solitude. And so to think that living a missional life doesn't mean, having solitude is, is false. Right. Um, in fact, a real active, busy missional life, which is good, which is what Jesus did, which is what Paul did demands that you also get away, flee up the mountain. Um, so it's not like one or the other. I think that that was something that just was impressed upon me. Like I do believe in being active. I believe in getting things done, but I think to fuel it, I, and my my people were going to need more solitude. Yeah. And I, I think the route to solitude in that is the people who, who are not living a missional life. I think right. you can be driven to it by living yes. a missional life. Yeah. That like that's the solution to you getting away from all the things that are urgent right. is caring for other for people. For other people. Yep. The caring for other people with Christ challenges you to be by yourself with both smaller groups of people in escape and then yourself where if you're just i mean and i i am not talking about vacation yeah vacation is not that's not rest it's not solitude it's not it's a celebration vacation is is celebrating yeah and it's a form of it's working you're usually there you're you're planning you're going you're you're gonna see a new place do a new thing connect with friends have conversations and that's healthy that's good yeah but it is not peaceful solitude being with Jesus fleeing up the mountain. It's not the same. And it's not sitting at home on your computer. It is not Facebook. It is not Netflix. It is not any of, and you don't have to do silence in a mountain. No. Or in a monastery. No, but, but I'm just saying you got to escape though. You do need to escape. And yeah. Yeah. And it can't be to the things that you find 
fill you up. Can't be to your idol. Yeah, it can't. Yes, which can't, is usually what your vacation is. Yes, frankly, yeah, like often, often, and and if you can go on your vacation and enjoy a wonderful thing and but still give your soul to Jesus a lot of times, then that's great. But usually it's it's what we wish would satisfy our souls that we right. run to on vacation. A lot of times we idolize, especially in this culture, we yeah. idolize vacation. Yeah. Um, so, so I came away with that conviction, I think, for, for myself and others. And I, and I recognized I, this wasn't my first time. And I've always, it's been very valuable numerous times. And so I'm not just coming back from a four day first time thing going, Hey, like, no, I've done this a number of times. You're a veteran, I guess, you know? And, um, and the other thing I, I just came away encouraged by the Psalm I memorized. Which Psalm did you memorize? 128. Psalm 128. Um, and one of the key things in there that just hit me that I wouldn't have guessed was it was, you will eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. And, uh, I think, I realized I really struggled to believe that the work, the labor I do will be seen by God, used by God, and that it will even be an encouragement to myself and my family. Hmm. Like I, I tend to view it yeah, I understand that. more as a, like it's a futility and it just, oh, well, I just have to do this. And that's what actually brought me to tears was that idea that maybe, you know, and I, I just went, God, is it true that you you have promised a blessing to God's people that they will eat the fruit of the labor of their hands. Like that everything we do is we're not just wasting our time. Um, and that thought was really, I would never have guessed Mm. it. I never would have gone looking for it. I didn't even realize it till I was memorizing the first stanza that how important that was to me. So, well, and I, I think just to maybe put a little commentary on what you're saying that when you get alone without an agenda, right. And you allow God's word to flow over you. Right. It's really powerful. And yeah. he gets to say things to you you wouldn't you probably wouldn't. have heard. No, absolutely. Yeah, that I, I hadn't. So that's, that thought had never entered my mind. Right. And it came from, from God, from that's his word. Deep. It was sweet. So those, I guess, those were the two. Wow. I need more of this and. Well, I think that's I think I'll it's a good good podcast I, I on silence. Yeah. I think it's really good. I will say, just to speak against the literal translation of things, that if you were to literally translate that, that would mean that you'd be pretty toothless since you work with cement and wood. Oh, <laughs> so right, right, the right, fruit right. of your labor, you can't eat it. <laughs> that's true. But uh, yes, true. I was just thinking about that while you were talking. Like, I probably shouldn't say that right now because this is a deep thing. You know, it was a fun thing that I, I did to commemorate that that section that was meaningful to me was I found this, I had a, a pocket knife with me mm-hmm. and it was like a lo- sort of larger pocket knife. And uh, there was just wood everywhere, but I found this one sort of flat, piece is about i don't know seven inches by five inches and uh and so i just sat on a bench and i just carved a spoon out of it oh nice and it was like this it was fun it was just like i was just quiet and just carved a spoon and uh but it it reminded me like i'm like i'm gonna keep this to remind myself that Hmm. god's promise that you will eat the fruit of the labor of your hands that's really cool I think we should end with that. That's really good.